Have you ever noticed that there are some people who have just natural instincts when it comes to direction, that they can find their way around with no problem at all, and then other people uh, struggle? Uh, this is kind of the, the story of Amanda and I. We are complete opposites when it comes to this. She can just know like the general area or city that she has to be in, and she can find exactly where she has to go. In fact, I've told her many times that I, I trust her far more than I trust the GPS. If the GPS says to go somewhere and she says to go somewhere, I will go with Amanda every time because I know that she's, she's just gifted in that way. Whereas for myself, uh, my, uh, if I'm trying to get somewhere and I have a map, and even sometimes, even with the GPS, I've gone in the, the wrong direction. Somehow I, I, I still have struggled. But I need that help. I need to have a roadmap. And I'm so thankful for uh, the technology that we have these days that uh, we can be reminded, even when we're just, we think we know where we're going, but we're not quite sure, and we just want that that reassurance, because sometimes we get distracted, we're, we're listening to some music, or enjoying the, uh, we're enjoying the, uh, the landscape around us, and we, we are afraid we're going to miss that, that road, that we have the technology to, to help us in that. Well, in many ways, that's what the, uh, the book of Proverbs is like. The Proverbs is a roadmap. There, there is a destination that we are seeking to arrive at, and uh, according to Proverbs, that destination would be the good life, uh, the good life being a life where we are at peace with God, we are at peace with other people, we are at peace with ourselves. That's our destination. And Proverbs realizes that we are going to have trouble, that we're going to get distracted, we're going to uh, miss a turn here and there, and Proverbs is there to help us to get back on track. Proverbs is not the kind of book that you would go to and try to develop a real detailed theology. That's not what you would do. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs is more of a very practical book that we would use. Uh, just yesterday, I was in Toronto for a conference and I'm useless in Toronto, even though I am going through uh, streets that I know that I've been on many times. Uh, I get so distracted by the uh, the, the high rises and uh, and all the different lanes, and this lane is ending, and and so on. So I make sure that I have the the GPS on my phone going. And uh, yesterday, as I was uh, leaving the the place where this conference was, and and uh, going to get onto the Gardener. Uh, my phone kept chirping at me, uh, uh, get, uh, return to route, return to route, return to route. They kept telling me to return to route. And that's really the message of Proverbs. Return to route. Get back onto the road that you're supposed to be on. You have gone in the wrong direction and you need to get back on. So that's what we're going to look at. And I'm going to focus uh, this morning on a familiar passage of uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And uh, in many ways, those two verses uh, summarize much of what else we find in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs will go in and talk about how we deal with finances, how we do deal with relationships, how we deal with sexuality, uh, how we deal uh, with our parents and with our children and uh, our marriages and all of those other things. Uh, but that's really summarized in verses 5 and 6 that we're going to be Focusing on, and so I, what I'm going to suggest is that uh, these passages give us uh, two parts to how we can get onto the right road. We can get onto the straight road, uh, the road that will take us 
to the kind of life that we want to live. And the first part of that is trust. Now, that seems simple enough to trust in the Lord. Uh, If I was to say that, that wouldn't shock you at all. Trust in the Lord, that sounds good. But what does trust mean? Well, for some people, uh, they think of trust as being belief. So we talk as Protestants as as, uh, salvation by faith. Uh, And faith uh, includes trust. But it is not just belief. It's not just uh, acknowledging that something exists or uh, having a uh, a theology test, a little quiz, and marking off saying, yes, I believe this, I believe this, I believe that. Uh, That's not what is being talked about here. Trust is something that is very, very deep and actually difficult to have. Uh, It is something where you are putting yourself in a vulnerable position to the person that you are trusting. And when we say trusting, it is not just a, a matter of, uh, of something that is simple, that if it doesn't happen, it's, it's no big deal. So imagine that uh, I told you that uh, there's a certain movie that is fantastic. It was the best movie I've ever seen. You just have to see it. Trust me, it is so good. So if you watch that movie and you hate it, you absolutely hate it, you thought, oh my goodness, I, that's two hours of my life I'll never get back. Have you really lost anything in me having broken your trust? I said, trust me, it's good. It wasn't that good. Really, it's not going to affect you very much at all. Now, imagine that we go to some kind of, of carnival and there's a rickety old roller coaster. And I say, come on, let's go on the roller coaster. It's safe, trust me. And what happens now if I'm wrong? Well, it, that's, that's, bad. that's different than having watched a, a bad movie, right? If it's not safe, if my trust is not worth uh, keeping, then you could be injured, you could even be killed. Well, this is the kind of trust that we need to put in God. Trust that will uh, be... Uh, if, if God does not come through, if he doesn't demonstrate himself to be trustworthy, we're in big trouble. We need that kind of trust in God. Now, it says here that we are supposed to trust God uh, with all our heart. And when we hear that, when we hear heart, we automatically think, oh, I, I know what that means. That means our emotions. So what Proverbs is saying, trust passionately. Just be really excited in, in your trust. And of course, uh, it does include our emotions. But actually, for the ancients, they actually thought of the heart as the, the seat of reason and rationality. So it's not just about emotions. Like, we would contrast uh, the head and the heart. Uh, they wouldn't do that. They would see both of what we think of as the head and the heart as happening inside the heart. And so when we're supposed to trust God with all our heart... That means that we are really thinking through what we are doing. It's not as simple as me just coming up to you and saying, uh, you need to trust in the Lord. And you're thinking, well, yeah, you know what? It's a beautiful day today. You know, I can see the, uh, the trees are, are budding. The, the grass is getting green. The, the birds are chirping. You know, I just am in such a good mood. Trust in the Lord? Sure. I'm, I'm feeling the emotion of it. Why not? That's not what's being said. The expectation here is that you're actually thinking through what is the cost of trusting in the Lord? What will this mean if I do this? That is something that we, uh, we have to 
to uh, be asking. And then it also says in this passage here that we are not to lean on our own understanding. And this is the hardest part of the idea of trust. Trusting in the Lord is not just a matter of adding trust on. It's actually about subtracting something as well. If we are fully going to trust the Lord, that means we have got to make the choice that we're no longer going to fully rely upon our own understanding. Now, that doesn't mean we give up on all knowledge that we have. I don't expect you to go into your car after the service and say, God, I don't want to lead on my understanding of how to drive. If you want me to drive away from here, you're going to have to give me divine knowledge about how to drive because I don't want to rely on my own wisdom. Don't do that, okay? Just turn on the ignition and drive. Uh, Use use your own wisdom there. What it's talking about there is when it comes to uh, moral choices, when it comes to understanding uh, the things that are are really true and really matter in life, uh, those kind of things, that we have got to make a choice where we don't just go with what feels natural, but we are willing to admit that we might be wrong on certain things, that we might have to humble ourselves and to say, uh, this is not the, the right way, and that we have to go in a different way. And it can be really, really hard for that to happen. It can be quite difficult, and yet that is the requirement. You cannot fully rely upon your own understanding and trust in the Lord at the same time. There's got to be a shift. There's only, there's only one throne. There's only one driver's seat. You have to choose who is going to get it. Is it going to be the Lord or is it going to be us? It's a difficult choice. It is a difficult process, but it's something that we need to do. Now, the second part of what we're supposed to do is what some translations talk about acknowledging the Lord. And I believe in the NIV, it says to submit to the Lord. And I like that, the idea of submitting, because the way we use acknowledging is different. We can acknowledge someone by, if someone on the other side of the sanctuary here, they give you a little bit of a nod, or they wave, you might wave back to acknowledge, yes, I saw that you waved at me, I saw that you nodded at me, and so I'm going to acknowledge you. That's not the kind of acknowledgement that is being talked about here. Uh, it is uh, submitting is much closer. The acknowledging that's being talked about is saying that God becomes a part of every area of our life. God is not saying, uh, could I have one hour uh, every Sunday morning from you, please? You can have the rest, but uh, just give me that one, uh, one hour a week and I'll be happy. God is not asking for that. He wants to be acknowledged in every area of our life. When we are asking, what are we going to do with our money? We have to be including God in that. When we're asking, what are we going to do with our time? We have to be talking to God about that. When we're asking, what our relationships are going to look like? We have to be including God in that. God has to be acknowledged in every single area of our life. There's nothing that we can uh, dismiss God from, whether it's work or school or neighborhood activities or hobbies or finances or anything else. There's nothing that we can exclude God from. Acknowledging him means that we have got to give that over to God. And I realize that that is really hard. And I know this from experience. I've shared before my 
my uh, journey and going from uh, atheism to believing in God to eventually becoming a Christian. And when I was at that point where I was believing in God, there was a, uh, I, I remember there's a, there was a shift. I, I wasn't ready to become a Christian yet, but what the shift happened was I had moved from uh, doubting whether the gospel was real to doubting whether I could live the Christian life. Because to me, it was clear that Jesus wasn't asking me just to take on the identity of a Christian, that I could have that label. Uh, He wasn't just asking me to go to church, but he really wanted me to include him in every area of life. And I wasn't sure that I could do that. It's not that I didn't want to. It's not that I didn't think that it was right. I just didn't think that I was able to do that. And what I didn't understand was that that's not how I became a Christian. I needed to simply enter into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, to acknowledge him as Lord, be adopted into his family. And all of these other things are a process that continue afterwards. It's a lifelong process. You know, there's no other area of our life that we would look at and say, all right, the first time I try it, am I going to be absolutely perfect? Am I going to be a master at this activity? If not, then I'm not going to try it. We would never do that. We acknowledge that whatever we're going to do, it doesn't matter what area of life, that we are going to stumble, we're going to fall, we're going to fail at times, we're going to do things bad. But the expectation is we're going to be a little bit better the next time and a little bit better the time after that and on and on and on. That's what we expect for every other area of life. Why shouldn't we have the same expectations when it comes to acknowledging the Lord in every area of our life? Now, I'm going to do something risky here and uh, share a Star Trek illustration, okay? I am a Star Trek fan. You may not be a Star Trek fan. That's fine. I am not expecting you to understand the full Star Trek mythology and all of the alien races and all of that kind of thing. You don't need to know that. But I think that this might be helpful in understanding uh, how all of this works. If you ever have watched uh, Star Trek, you know uh, they travel around in the Starship Enterprise and they, they orbit a planet Now, there's two ways for them to get down to the planet. They have this transporter, which they just go onto this pad, and they dematerialize, and then they rematerialize right on the planet, uh, right where they need to go. They can bring all their equipment with them when they do that, and it just takes a moment. uh, A pulling of a lever, and they are down on the planet. It's instantaneous. The other way for them to do it is to carry all of their equipment into a shuttlecraft, uh, open up the shuttle bay doors, uh, fly out of the Enterprise, go through the atmosphere, uh, find a place to land, uh, safely land, open the doors and come out. It takes a lot longer for them to do that. And the reason I was thinking about that is that when it comes to Christian discipleship, uh, I'm sure that many of us would prefer the transporter. Wouldn't it be great if we knew the destination of where we want it to be, and with a pull of a lever or a push of a button, we're, we're there. We've, we've accomplished. We're exactly where we want to be. We have become the kind of person that we want to have in that instant. But the thing is, Christian discipleship does not come with a transporter. We don't have that. We have the shuttlecraft, which means it's going to be a long journey, and it's going to sometimes be a bumpy journey, and it's going to take a while, but we will get there. And that's what the message of Proverbs is. Christianity 
uh, is not just a belief system. Yes, we have beliefs, we have uh, theological doctrines, and all of those things are very important. But it's also a lifestyle. It's also a destination. It is a a place that we want to get to, a a kind of life that God has for us. Uh, Jesus describes it as an abundant life, uh, a life where we can enjoy God, where we can enjoy community, where we can enjoy healing within ourselves. And it takes a while to get to where we want to be, to, to achieve that destination. Proverbs is helpful for us. It gives us some directions. Two of those directions are trust and acknowledgement. Trusting in the Lord, not relying upon our own understanding, but trusting in the Lord. And acknowledging Him in every area of our life, not just Sunday mornings, but everything else. It can be a difficult journey. It can be a scary journey at times. But trust me, the destination is worth it.